0: is my coach charlie charlie it is great to have you back on the show i have to admit it was weird having to run things solo last week that was on me it was my fault uh, but did you happen to catch the show because for those of you who don't know charlie is kind of like our quality control she's the one that goes back and listens to all our episodes and lets me know how much of an idiot i sound like so charlie how much of an idiot did i sound like last week
2: on which one
0: uh, either one.
2: Both. I don't know. I didn't pick up anything too alarming.
0: I, it, it's. Have you ever done that where you're just sitting there talking to your? You feel like you're talking to yourself.
2: All day long. That's my job. Okay. I basically feel like I talk to myself.
0: Yeah. Well, that it sucks, right? Yeah. Like you don't know how you're coming off, so it's kind of this weird feeling. I try my best to put out the best content I can for people, but I just don't know if I sound like a complete and utter moron, which I kind of feel like I do when I do it solo. But hopefully, it wasn't too painful for to people. But I'm just glad yeah. to have you back to kind of help keep me even keeled this week uh, but we got a ton of questions to get to actually not a ton of questions today we got some really good questions that are going to take us some time to get through today so let's go ahead and get started charlie what do you got for me today
2: all right with our first question it's kind of a big picture question which i'm sure will take you off on a tangent and it's something That's that we've I'm good heard at. over the past several years drill dog says when is this rick 2.0 stuff going to stop says that Rick's last five years versus Kirby's first five years is the only comparison that matters, which is a vast improvement on and off the field. What's your take?
0: Yeah, this is a great question, Drill Dog. And you're right, uh, Charlie. This is something that we have heard just ad nauseum, it seems like, over the past however many years, at least once Kirby kind of got his footing here in Athens. And it's always kind of driven me crazy. And I don't even know if we've ever actually addressed this on the show before. This actually might be the very first time we've directly addressed like the – the Kirby Smart is Mark Rick 2.0 question. And I think this is coming from, uh, when Drill Dog sent this question in on Twitter, I think this came from something on the Paul Feinbaum show. I think they were talking about the 10 best hires in the SEC over the past 10 or 15, however many years. And Mark Rick was on that list and in the top 10, but Kirby Smart was not. And so of course that brings up the Kirby Smart is Mark Rick 2.0 debate all over again. But this idea that Kirby Smart is quote unquote Mark Rick 2.0, it is something that has always driven me crazy. Recently, I've kind of started, I'm trying to let things like this go. Like it doesn't matter what somebody says. If they believe that, let them believe that. They say it, let them say it. It really doesn't matter. It has no bearing on my life but this is one of those things. It does. It just kind of drives me crazy. When I hear people say, I'm like, oh, really? Like, do we, do we really think that? Or are you just overly emotional and lashing out? Or are you trying to troll somebody and you don't actually believe that? It's one of those things for me. So it kind of drives me crazy. It shouldn't. I know it shouldn't. I shouldn't even worry about it, but it's kind of bothered me a little bit over the past however many years. But saying that on the surface, when you look at the numbers and the production of both coaches through their first five years here in Athens, you at least see where the people who make those comments are coming from, right? Because if you just look at the numbers, it's like, oh yeah, maybe Kirby is Mark Rick 2.0 because the numbers are eerily similar through five years. You look at Mark Rick, who was 52 and 12 through his first five years in Athens, Kirby Smart, 52 and 14. Now, you do have to say that this past in his fifth year, as our head coach was a COVID year, so we only had a well, it should have been a 10-game regular season, only played nine regular season games, only played 10 games overall, so there's weren't as many opportunities for him to get wins. But regardless, even if we played two extra games and we were and he was 54 and 14 as opposed to 52 and 12, like Mark Rick was through five years, it's still very similar. Those two records through five years are extraordinarily similar. Kirby Smart has three SEC East titles in his first five seasons, while Mark Rick has had two. Uh, Kirby has one SEC championship through his first five years. Mark Rick was able to win two, one in 2002 and also in 2005. Kirby has four New Year's six bowl appearances. You got a a Rose Bowl, two sugars, and a Peach Bowl. Mark Rick only had two in his first five years, only two. That's still really good. Two sugar bowls, one in 2002, one in 2005. So the the numbers in the production over the first five years are remarkably similar. So from that perspective, I do see on the surface where people who call Kirby Smart, Mark Rick 2.0, I see where they get that notion, right? I see where they get that idea. However, what I would argue is that that entirely lacks context, okay? I would still argue that our program, even though the numbers are similar through Mark Rick's first five years, Kirby Kirby Smart's first five years on campus as a head coach, I would argue that our program is in better shape now than it was under Mark Rick. That's just my opinion. And let me explain why I think that. Number one, I'm going to start with recruiting. Mark Rick always recruited well. We were a good recruiting school with Mark Rick, but we were never quite an elite recruiting school. We weren't that team that was recruiting consistently inside the top three. We We're consistently inside the top 10 usually. Every now and then we might be like 11 or 12, 13 maybe, but traditionally somewhere inside the top 10. But we were also missing on a lot of our top targets. They were going elsewhere. And that was okay because we're like, okay, well, we're still inside the top 10, so we're still happy with that. Well, Kirby Smart has not been happy with that. Kirby Smart wants everybody. And he doesn't get everybody, but he gets far more of the big time guys than Mark Rick was getting. I mean, Mark Rick never sniffed a number one recruiting class while he was here at Georgia. And Kirby Smart, I don't say he's made that routine, but he's made finishing inside the top two, top three routine. That's what we do. Kirby Smart's great expectation that if we finish outside the top three recruiting, that there's something wrong. It's like, oh my God, Georgia's only number three recruiting? What's going on? Whereas if if Mark Rick was ever number three recruiting, like, oh my God, Mark Rick is doing work on the recruiting trail. So we're recruiting at a higher level. And I think that matters because I think it gives your program more stability because you're stacking elite class on top of elite class. And Mark Rick had some elite classes, but he also has some classes like the 2013 class that ended up being an abject disaster. and is one of the big reasons why he ended up losing his job. Yeah, sure, there was some coaching instability and some things going on behind the scenes, things got out of control, but that class was really weak. A lot of the guys that were considered the top recruits in that class ended up leaving. I mean, talk about guys like Trey Matthew, Brendan Langley, those kind of guys, they never finished their careers. Shaq Wiggins, Tim Kimbrough, uh, Tremel Terry, we all know what happened with Bryce Ramsey. I mean, that class had 32 players in it, and it was number 12 in the nation, and and half those, more than half those guys just end up leaving, just never finish their career. Johnny O'Neal, AJ turman guys, John Denver, the Sasquatch, right? Like, where is he? That kind of guy. Uh, that class was an abject disaster. It really was. Kirby Smart is never, ever, 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 ever going to have a class like that. And I know, I always say I hate to speak in absolutes, but this is one thing I feel very common to say. Say what you want about Kirby Smart's in-game coach at times. I know there's some things that he he can work on and he has improved on, but recruiting, he is as elite as it gets. I think Kirby Smart's the best recruiter in America year in and year out. Kirby Smart is never going to put a class together like that. And that is not going to happen. I'm not going to say that we're going to win the SEC, SEC East every year in for the next however many years. Heck, we didn't win it last year. But recruiting is not something that we're ever going to have to worry about. And that matters because you're not going to have those classes where you have gaps in talent, where you're trying to fill those gaps somehow. And that's when you start to have those bumps in the road and you start having like seven win seasons, eight win seasons. That's not going to happen. Yeah, Mark Rick recruited well, but he a lot of times wasn't able to stack. He never really was able to consistently stack elite class on top of elite class on top of elite class on top of elite class like Kirby Smart has and has shown absolutely no signs of showing down. Which again, I think that gives our program more stability. Therefore, I think that means our program is in better shape. I also think our brand on a national level is more relevant. I'm not saying that our brand was not relevant under Mark, especially in the first five years. Of Mark Rick's tenure. Our brand was relevant, but not to the degree that it is now. I believe that Kirby Smart has taken it to another level. A big part of that is the fact that we played for a national title and came within one blown coverage in overtime of winning a national title. And not just winning a national title, but beating the king, the big bad dude on the block, beating Alabama, the big boy in college football, doing it to them. That even though we fell short doing it like that on that stage with that team and also the 2018 SEC game that we should have won that we ended up blowing, I think that has given our brand more relevancy on the national scene than it was during the early years of the Mark Rick team. Again, not saying that our brand was not relevant in the early 2000s. I just think it's more relevant now nationally. And it's also, that goes to another reason why we're able to recruit like we are right now. And I would also argue that structurally our program is stronger right now, particularly from a facilities and a support staff standpoint. I will kind of defend Mark Rick here with this to a degree because I don't really think it was Mark Rick's fault for most of his tenure that our facilities, I don't wanna say we're subpar but we're not as good as they need to be to consistently compete at that elite level year in and year out and recruit at an elite level year in and year out. Because there were some obstacles in his way in the athletic department that just didn't make that happen. I remember McGarry saying earlier in his tenure, is like, well, you know, uh, yeah, I know Mark wants an indoor facility, but you know, how many times a year would we use that? Is it really worth all that money and that investment if we only use it a handful of times when it rains each year? And it's like, dude, that's not what it's about. You don't get it right now. So there was that aspect. It wasn't just Mark. Mark wanted facilities upgrades. Every coach does, uh, but he just wasn't able to get that. Support staff, it was once... We got Jeremy Pruitt here. He was able to kind of push some of that stuff through, but not to the degree that we have with Kirby. So Mark wasn't necessarily operating on the same level of playing field when it came to facilities and support staff that Kirby has. But I also will say on the other side, a big part of the reason why Kirby has those things is because Kirby is just force of personality. I mean, when he took the job, that was part of what he made it contingent upon. It's like, hey, if you want me to take this job, obviously this is, this is my home this is my alma mater, I want to be here, but y'all have to be committed. Y'all have to be able, y'all have to show me that you're gonna build facilities that we need to compete at the highest level. You have to give me the support staff I need to build this program the way it needs to be built and to put it on solid ground. So I kind of see it both ways there, but I would just say, regardless of, of how it went down and whether Rick had those those facilities and support staff and or not, and Kirby does now, whatever. Structurally, right now, I, I don't think you can really argue it. Our program is on much more solid ground than it was at any point in the Mark Rick tenure, especially the latter years of the Mark Rick tenure when there was just chaos behind the scenes. We had coaches threatening to fight each other on the practice field, just crazy stuff. So I'll put that out there. And I also would just say, again, going back to recruiting, the fact that our brand is relevant, we've kind of built this program and structurally we're stronger. I just don't, I think that's going to help guard against having some of those dips that we start to see Mark Rick have towards the middle of his tenure, where you have a, a losing season and, and then you have like a couple of eight win seasons, those kind of things. I just think our foundation is stronger. Again, I don't like to speak in absolutes. You never say never. But I have a really, 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 really hard time seeing Kirby Smart ever having a losing season here in Athens. Anything is possible. And again, I'm not going to say that we're going to win the SEC East every year, win the SEC title every year. I'm not saying that. I just don't see us having a losing season under Kirby Smart. I just think our roster is far too talented at this point for that to happen. I think we have too good of a coaching staff for that to happen. I mean, I guess maybe crazy things could happen and we could have an eight-win season, I guess, but I I don't even think that's all that likely with a roster that we have been able to build and that doesn't show any signs of slowing down with how we are recruiting. And this program is just humming right now. i would also have to bring this into the equation as well. When you're trying to look at Mark versus Kirby Smart and you look at at their numbers the first five years and you see that as I laid out for you, they're very similar, but you also have to account for the fact that Mark Rick never had to contend with the Saban Alabama juggernaut until the middle of his tenure. His first five years, he was not dealing with an elite SEC program, and that doesn't even do it justice. Not dealing with maybe the greatest college football dynasty of all time. Can we go that far right now with Alabama? I know it's you know there's been a couple bumps the road there with LSU one and then Clemson, but over a ten to fifteen year period. I don't know if there's been a more dominant dynasty than Nick Saban's Alabama, and he didn't have to deal with that in his first five years. There were some good teams, you know, yeah, Nick Saban's LSU teams were good, but they weren't anywhere near the level his Alabama teams have been once they've got rolling. Now, of course, in 2012, when they did have that program humming in Tuscaloosa, that did cost Mark Rick one shot at national title, losing to them in a heartbreaker, as we all know, in the 2012 SEC title game, where I collapsed in the, like literally fell on the floor of the Georgia Dome when that, when Chris Conley, oh my yeah, well, we all know what happened there. But his program was already established by the time that Saban got to Bama. And what Kirby's had to do is build his program at the pinnacle of this Bama run. And he also had to deal with the 2019 LSU team, which if you're asking me, I think, is, and this is just me, I'm not as as old as some as some of our listeners and I don't go back as far, but that's probably the best college ball team that I have ever seen, at least in the modern era in my opinion, this year's Alabama team was really, really good. I would still go with the 2019 LSU team. I think they were that good. I think they were had more talent defensively, in my opinion. Alabama was really good on defense this year. Just I think LSU uh, was just a more talented team overall. So when to me, when you look at that, at look, look look at the fact that Kirby has built his Georgia program and put up those numbers. When you have Alabama and the SEC has obviously he has to get over LSU in his way there as well. Let's just say like Kirby Smart, when he's gotten the SEC championship game, has not had to play. Arkansas like we played in 2002, which was a good Arkansas team, but not like 2018 Bama, not like 2019 LSU. Maybe Kirby Smart would have more than one SEC title if those teams weren't in his way those years. So I just think there's a little bit more competition there when you have the Bama dynasty and that incredible LSU team in 2019. But here's one more thing I do want to say. I won't spend too much more time on this. I know we've got a lot of questions to get to. I I do want to put this out there though. Because I just want to say, I don't believe comparing Kirby Smart, calling him Mark Rick 2.0. I don't really see that as an insult. I want to put that out there because that's how it's often used. Like when rival, rival fan bases use that and say, oh, Kirby's just Mark Rick 2.0. They like to go there because Kirby, generally speaking, just owns them. And the best thing they can do to try to bring him down is compare him to a coach. They they have ultimately come to view as a, as a failure. And I, I I guess you have to, I guess you would say if he gets fired and everyone's national title, is that a failure? I don't know if it's a failure, but in their eyes, yes, he fell short. So it's like the idea that, well, Kirby, he, he's just a recruiter. He can't win the big one, just like Mark Rick. He can't win the big one. Always good, but never the best, just like Mark Rick. So that it's used as an insult. And I just reject that notion. Personally, I just reject that notion. Yes, I fully admit and recognize that things clearly trended down in the latter years of the Mark Rick tenure, and the program began really internally just began to come unglued a little bit there. If you guys have read the Seth Emerson book that that we promoted in the offseason, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even if you haven't read that, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of the the, uh, rumors that were out there. And Mark Rick did lose too much control of the program those last couple years when Bobo left. You get Jeremy Pruitt coming in. You hire Brian Schottenheimer. There was discord within the staff, and, and things kind of just got out of hand. And In retrospect, it was. It was the right move at that point to move on for Mark Rick and to hire Kirby Smart. I think it's pretty clear that's the case right now. But at the same time, let's not allow that to completely discredit what Mark Rick was able to do here in Athens. From 2002, 2005, we were on a national title trajectory. And then, yeah, we had a couple years, you know, 2009, 2000, 2007 was fantastic. 2008, we were preseason number one, and, and we were we were good. We weren't as good as everyone thought we would be that year. Then 2009, 2010, we have a little bit of a downturn. But, but then with Aaron Murray from 2011 to 2013, we got back on that national championship tra- trajectory. And I would argue that if college, if the college football playoff was in existence in the early 2000s, that, or let's say from 2002, 2012, that Mark Rick would have won a national title. In those early Mark Rick years, it, it the refrain was very similar to what you hear now with Kirby Smart. It was, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he wins a national title. And obviously we know it didn't turn out like that, but that was also in the BCS era. Let's go back on some of those years. 2002, we lost one game that year. Lost one game of the regular season to Florida where Terrence Edwards dropped pass away from being undefeated, a drop pass against Florida in Jacksonville from being undefeated that season. Even, even Though we lost the four game, we still won the SEC and still would have been in the Control playoff there was a fourteen playoff in two thousand two. We had a good chance to win it there. We were really good in two thousand two. Two thousand five, if DJ doesn't get hurt and doesn't and if he would have played in the Florida game, we had a chance of only probably would have won that game and had one loss in the regular season and then we won the SEC title, and we get in the college playoff. Even though we lost two games in the regular season, we still won the SEC title, beat a, a good LSU team. We still had a chance to get in that year if there was a fourteen playoff. 2007, we definitely get in that year. We probably won the whole thing because we were the best team in the country by the end of that season. Just kind of screwed ourselves losing to Tennessee that season. In 2012, yeah, I know we had the heartbreaking loss to Alabama in the, in the uh, SEC title game. I think we were one of the two best teams in the country that year. If there was a fourteen playoff, I think we'd probably get in 2012. And so I think if you look at it, one of those years, 2002, 2005, 2007, 2012, if there's a college football playoff, Mark Rick probably would have won one. You can't say anything for sure, but there's a really good chance that we would have won a college football playoff. And that would obviously have completely changed perception of Mark Rick. It was just unfortunate timing for him. We were in the BCS era and not in the college football playoff era. And I just point that out to use that as evidence as to why I don't consider it an insult to call somebody Mark Rick 2.0. I know why they do it because Mark Rick never won the national title. I get it. But I just don't think it's an insult because Mark Rick was largely a fantastic coach in his tenure here in Athens. Yes, things did not end well. We don't love how it ended. Things got out of hand a little bit there. It was time to move on. But we shouldn't let that cloud how good he was for the majority of his tenure. I think the truth is, honestly, like, why can't we just say both coaches, Mark Rick and Kirby Smart, are fantastic coaches, national championship caliber coaches? No, Mark Rick never won one. But he got really, really close. It was really kind of a victim of timing there, just being in the BCS area, not in the college football, playoff era. Kirby Smart clearly has not won one, but I think as, as I've said many times in this show, I will st- stick with it. It's just a matter of time until that happens. I think every single year with the roster that we have with how he recruits, any given year can be the year that we win one. It could be as soon as this year, but I just want to put that out there. Yes, I do think to answer Drill Dawes' question, I do think our program is in better shape right now with Kirby Smart through his first five years than it was with Mark Rick through his first five years. I don't think we're going to see some of those dips that we saw with Mark Rick under Kirby Smart, but I also don't really consider it an insult to call somebody Mark Rick 2.0. You could be called a lot worse than that. You'd be called Tommy Tuberville 2.0, Ron Zook 2.0, Mark Rick 2.0. I don't really consider that an insult. I just want to put that out there.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com Now that's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, the next two questions are about the announcement last week that Georgia has scheduled
2: an upcoming home and home series with Louisville. The dogs will travel to the bluegrass state in 2026 and the Cardinals will return the favor in 2027. So that's still a while out. We'll see if it actually happens. Oh, it's um, under
0: contract. Right? It's not like it's not like Ohio State back in you know I guess five or six years ago. We had a minimum of understanding.
2: Was the home and home with Oregon under contract? It was.
0: It was. Then we yeah. You're we right. Have a different that's, athletic fair. that's fair. That's fair.
2: Yes. But yes. I just it's a long way away. I
0: do want to say uh, I want to give you credit here. Congratulations for pronouncing that right. So many people don't pronounce that word right. What? So many, Louisville. Oh. All, like all of my friends that I've talked to this week about that. Did you see that that we scheduled that we schedule Louisville? I'm like, and I don't even care. I'm not from Kentucky. I don't know anyone from from Kentucky. I just I just for some reason it's like a pet peeve of mine, like pronouncing that okay. word. Like well, I don't know. It's stupid. Moving it's on. Louisville. But moving good on. job there.
2: Sam wants to know what do you make of the Louisville home and home series? Is he supposed to be excited about that?
0: I mean. Yeah. Aren't you a little bit excited, Charlie, when you saw that announcement?
2: I mean, again, we'll see if it actually Okay, so happens. it's
0: not Ohio State, and yes, it's 2026, 2027, but that's not that far away. We're not talking about a decade down the road. We're talking about five years down the road. Like, I think this is going to happen, and, like, is it going to South Bend Am I that excited about it? No, I'm not that level excited about it. But I like going to new places. I like going to college campuses that I've never been to. I've been through Louisville. I've never stopped in, in Louisville. I've never been in the campus. I've never been to a game there. That's exciting for me. And I know like I'm I'm probably the minority here. I don't know, Charlie, maybe you're with me on this. I actually like going to road games. Sometimes I like going to road games more than I like going to home games. I've just been to so many games inside of Sanford Stadium. Don't be me wrong. I love the environment. I love the whole the whole setup. I love all that. I love being in Sanford Stadium. It, it's it's kind of where my heart is, obviously. But it's all there's also something really cool about going to places that you don't really normally get to go to. Going to South Bend, like that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I, I had an incredible time there, the Rose Bowl, all those trips. I mean, going to Colorado was fantastic. That was so much fun. So I personally am very excited about going there. I know it's five years down the road, so you can't get as excited as you would be if it's like, oh, next year. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go to a different place uh, see something different, see a different campus, and Charlie, like, what we say, like, it's at the very least better than having to watch us play Charleston Southern here in Athens, That's right? That's true. Yeah, or Austin I don't like, those games. like, so, yeah, I, I think we, like, I don't want to tell you anyone how to feel. You guys feel how you want to feel about it, but I think it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Not again, not, like, it's not the same as like we had scheduled Michigan or something like that, but it's still an, an exciting matchup. It's better than playing some of these you know, one double A teams or our FCS teams now. So, yeah, I'm excited about it.
2: All right. Uh, same subject. Daniel says that Georgia's future schedule is loaded. But if you're Josh Brooks, would you want to keep this trend going in the future? And if so, which three teams not currently on the schedule would you add?
0: Yeah, we've had questions like this in the past, but it's been a minute. It's been a, it's been a year or two. So, yeah, I'm happy to answer this again. So, um, yeah, all right. Three teams...
2: I'm going to write down the three I think you're going to say. Okay,
0: do this. All right, here's a sticky note. I don't have
2: a pen in I've got office. pens all over
0: the place. No, there's okay. a pen right there. All right. Write them down. So I'm going to think. All right, real quick. Top three teams. Can it be teams that we've already played in the past or team that we've done home and homes with or has to be new teams? No, I'm
2: just saying three teams you would like to go to.
0: So we can, we can have already gone there recently. Sure. I don't know if like, I makes sense. Can I say Notre Dame?
2: I mean, I knew that's what you were getting at.
0: I No, see, I don't know if Notre Dame would be as fun a second time. Because South Bend is not a great town. Like, right. South Bend was... So okay let's do... Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's, 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 for the purpose of this question, let's do three teams that we have not played recently. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go... First for me, I know this is, not, this is not necessarily a power program. It's a consistent program, a consistently good program. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Because I have heard a lot about... Madison, Wisconsin being an awesome college town and it's a Big Ten town. I've never been to a Big Ten college campus. I, have you? No. I've never been to a Big Ten college campus, any of them. So that's way up there on my list. I don't know if it'll ever happen, um, but that would be one that I think would be a lot of fun to go to. Again, I know it's not like a power program, a sexy program, but that would just be a really fun, unique, different kind of trip. So I would put that way up there on my list. We've got Ohio State coming up, so I can't say Ohio State. We've got Texas. Like Texas would probably be up there for me, but we've got Texas coming up. Ohio State would probably be on there. We got they. We've got them coming up. Um, if we hadn't already played Notre Dame, that'd be up there. I'm gonna go Michigan. Mm-hmm. Go another Big Ten school. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Michigan. Um, just the aura of the Big House. I know Michigan hasn't been like dominant lately, but that's still. I mean, look, it's one of the, the top historical programs in the country. So yeah, I would, I would go Michigan. And let's go for the third one. Like North Carolina would be one that I've always been intrigued. I just, it's crazy to me that we've never played North Carolina. We have played them, but we haven't played them recently with a home-and-home home series. And I actually know that we've tried. I know that I've got that on pretty good authority that we've tried, but we just haven't been able to get the, the dates worked out. So that would always be a fun one because it's, it's an easy trip up there. Chapel, I have been in Chapel Hill. It's a really cool college town, Franklin Street. There's, it's got some similarities to Athens. Not, not Athens, but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice town. That'd be cool, but I'm going to go out to the West Coast. And for me it's either between this or is now four no I'm not saying I would say I, I if I was gonna throw a fourth it might be North Carolina I was just saying North Carolina would be a good one but North
2: Carolina is your fourth one if I had okay.
0: a fourth one I was saying I was gonna say North Carolina would be a good one but I'm gonna go to the West Coast my true third one and it would be down between Oregon or Washington for me I think Seattle will be I've never been to Seattle um I've never been to Washington State or Oregon. So they would both be unique experiences for me. I think Seattle would probably be a – it's not a college town. It's a, it's a major city. But let's go Oregon. I, I think Austin Stadium would be a cool place to go. Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, the whole the uniforms, the whole vibe. I, w- I, I was pissed when we canceled that series. I was so ready to go on that trip. So, yeah, what did I say? Wisconsin, Michigan, and Oregon. What did you put? Let me look at this. Don't
2: cheat. Three out of three. I had Texas and Ohio, and then I forgot that we already, we already had, one had this. Okay,
0: well, yeah, you did. All right, yeah. Washington, not Washington. I can't read. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, your handwriting. What is that? Wisconsin. Wisconsin I thought Michigan, I had that handwriting. Okay, Wisconsin, Michigan. You had it. You had it. I know this is not a visual medium, but, guys, she had it. I don't know. Three if, out of three. But. All right, what would you, where would you go?
2: Well, we already have Ohio State. I don't really care about Ohio State, quite honestly. Really? Because uh, yeah. Columbus is a big city. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's Ohio. The horseshoe, Ohio.
0: right? I mean, no come offense
2: on. to people who refer the tradition Ohio. there. Like, no, it doesn't even interest me. I, nothing in Ohio. No, not at all. You're
0: not, so you're not going to go to that trip?
2: I mean, um, I'm going. Not really in my list of.
0: I know you're not excited. Not I know you're list. not excited about going to the Rose Bowl again for the for no. the UCLA game. No, I'm like, not. I, I will say this for those no. of you who went the, who went to the Rose Bowl. You know what I'm talking about. I thought the Rose Bowl is a terrible stadium.
2: There is nothing there.
0: They're, they don't even have, I guess it's the tradition, but the stadium is, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a beautiful setting, sure. But it's in Pasadena. You're right. There's nothing in Pasadena at all. You gotta take the train from LA, you get to Pasadena, and you're like, okay, cool. What do I do all day? Nothing. You truly really have nothing to do. We got. We got I gotta just end up so dusty. I, I literally got subway and a subway for the game. You gotta walk all the way. I mean, I guess you could get. You know, I guess you could technically if you drove there. But if you take the train like we did, you gotta walk. I don't know how far. Like you walked, right? It's yeah, like two it miles. Like a mile and
2: a half.
0: Yeah, at least, and that's fine. Look, I I can walk, but it's like it's. I don't know, man. Like, it's fine for the Rose Bowl because it's kind of this magical environment. Like, once you're in the stadium and the game's going on, you're like, okay, now I get it. But like if I'm just going for a random game against UCLA and i got to go watch that game in the Rose Bowl, no. I, I am honestly not that excited about the game. LA does nothing for me. So I know some people would say, yeah, let's go play USC in the Coliseum. And that's cool if, if you'd want to do that. Uh, no, not for me. Me
2: either.
0: So you so what, what would you say? You would say... Wisconsin. Wisconsin.
2: I'd like to go to Texas, but that's already on the schedule. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: Virginia would be a cool one, they're not good, but going to Charlottesville might be kind of. I mean, I've never been there. See, I'm thinking about this, this is all selfish. I know this is like Island of the beholder type stuff,
2: yeah.
0: Like, we're going to Florida State, and honestly, Florida State doesn't really do much for me no. anyway. Um, no. Miami, no, see, that I would, no. I no interest because the stadium's in the middle of nowhere, no. yeah. yeah. Oregon I'm just...
2: or Washington,
0: Oregon, or which one would you go, Oregon or Washington? I go back Colorado I I would definitely go back to Colorado that was a fun trip cool place Boulder's fun I'd probably
2: say Washington because Seattle has more to do easier trip easier to to get to far away from the airport
0: yeah it's definitely easier to get to and it's right there on the lake. it's a really cool setting there but I I just think right now Oregon that program is a little better place than Washington who knows in 10 years we get them on the schedule if that was to happen 15 years from now who knows how good Oregon or Washington will be, but both would be fun. Kind of a unique Pacific West Coast setting that we haven't experienced yet. So that'd be fun.
2: I might even say Washington State. Wazoo? Yeah.
0: Over Oregon? Just is
2: another place to go. Oh, yeah. There's a
0: ton of like, I want to go to, all, like, basically every year I want to go to a place that we've never gone. And I know that's selfishly me speaking. I know a lot of people aren't interested in those kind of things, but... Uh, I really enjoy making those trips. Yeah, Wazoo would be fun. Oh, that's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Getting to Pullman, it's in the middle of nowhere. Corvallis. Would you go to Oregon State? Man, we're I talking mean, about like how, how do you even get to these places? Like you're not flying directly into Corvallis. You're let not me flying. Google
2: Map that. Here's another
0: good one because I recently. Better
2: yet, let me map quest it because you might lose service while trying to get to. Those uh, absolutely.
0: Places. Here's another good one, and I just recently. Okay, this. I said at the be in the show, I'm an idiot, right? Here, I'm gonna give everyone, everyone evidence of why I'm an idiot. So, I've never been to Utah. I always just thought that, like, you, I don't know where I got this idea, but I thought that you couldn't drink alcohol in Utah. Like, you couldn't buy alcohol. You couldn't go to a bar and order a drink, right? It, because of the Mormon faith, the LDS church, that whole nine yards. And I recently discovered, oh, yeah, you can. I've always, like, whenever I watch BYU or Utah games in Utah, I'm always like, man, that's an awesome thing. The mountains are there, it looks gorgeous. But I was like, man, I'm always like, I never would want to go to a game there because you couldn't have a good time. like You couldn't tailgate, couldn't have, couldn't have fun. You couldn't do what you would normally do for a football weekend. I and that, I recently found out you could. So that would be awesome.
2: Yeah. I mean, people that know me, that doesn't work for me either. What? Not being able to have a drink.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. An adult okay, beverage. Yeah. But did you know this? Did you know that you could?
2: Yeah, I didn't think that it was like illegal.
0: I thought it was like a dry state. Like I, I don't know where I got this idea. Great. I've never been to Utah. Um, never really had a reason. Uh, actually, I do kind of want to go to Utah because they have a bunch of great national never parks there. You got
2: to Google this?
0: Well, here's the thing. So I like to travel. You know this. I like to travel, but I haven't been to like that part of the United States, the Utah. I've been to Colorado, I guess, but I've been to Utah, Idaho, those places. And so, I again, I don't know where I got this idea, but somewhere along the way, I just got this conception in my mind that you could not drink alcohol at all and usually and I'm sure people listening like God is this guy an alcoholic no not at all but like when you go to a football game it's nice to have like a drink or two he's
2: just an idiot uh,
0: yeah I told I, I literally I, I, am no, I am nothing less than what I told you yep that's exactly what I told you I told you at the beginning of the show that I'm an idiot alright any so, other
2: schools you want to mention
0: I mean there's so I mean really anyway get, name a power five school I I've been to I kind invented, of getting you yes.
2: trying to get you to yeah. stop okay. talking I'm gonna about stop. that question yes
0: I named my top three There we'll, and we'll I was right yeah, you, I I was right. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Lucky guess. That was is not lucky. three lucky guesses. Is it lucky if it's three guesses? I don't no. know.
2: No. The last few questions we have this week focus on spring practice, which I know you and Curtis are going to cover in more detail later in the week. But right now, Jacob wants to know, with all the injuries so far this spring, who is the one player we can least afford to lose this season? And he will not allow you to use JT Daniels because that oh, is too okay, okay. easy. Yeah,
0: that is too easy. I, I was ready with that one. Because like, you always hate when I go with these long-winded answers. I was going to say JT Daniels. Boom, next question. But I can't do that. Okay, JT Daniels is off the table. All right, I'm going to go – well, we already lost George. Um, we've talked about that a lot. We're not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to go to the defense side of the ball. I'm not going to say he's – entirely irreplaceable because we have a lot of good players on the defensive line, but I'm going to go with Jordan Davis. because, And I, I say Jordan Davis for a couple reasons. Number one, let's just say this. We don't have anyone on our roster currently that can do the things the way that Jordan Davis plays that nose guard position. We have guys that can function at that position. We have Julian Rush just can play there. Time Mitchell can play there. We have, I mean, Devontae Wyatt can play there if pushed into service. A number of guys could play, could play nose guard, Nazir Stackhouse. But are they going to play it at the level that Jordan Davis plays it? My answer is no. Now they might bring something a little bit different to the table. Maybe they're a little quicker, and we structure our defense a little bit differently. Sure, but Jordan Davis is a guy that is about as irreplaceable. I guess maybe if if JT Daniels is off the table, I would say Jordan Davis is a guy on our roster right now that, that is about as irreplaceable as it gets. In terms of what he brings to the table, and also the impact that he has on our defense. And here's the other aspect. Here's another reason why I say Jordan Davis. We've talked ad nauseum so far this offseason about our issues in the secondary. And I don't. I hesitate to call them issues yet. Let's just say some potential concerns in the secondary related to inexperience back there. We've we're, we've lost a bunch of guys, particularly at cornerback. We have some talented players, but we all know there's inexperience there, and we don't know exactly who's going to rise to the top there. So if you have concerns in the secondary, how can you alleviate some of the pressure on the secondary? Well, the clear answer is you have to be able to stop the run with out having to dedicate additional numbers to the box, okay? You want to be able to help those cornerbacks as much as you can. You want to be able to play three over two receivers as much as you can. If you cannot stop the run consistently and effectively, then that limits your ability to do that, and those young, inexperienced cornerbacks are going to be out there. They're going to be on an island more than you would like for them to be. Jordan Davis is a guy With his ability to basically bench press centers at will and just be an immovable object, he is a guy that allows us. I think he's the key to our run defense. He's a guy that allows us to be able to control the run. And it's not just him, clearly, but he is the centerpiece of that and our ability to be able to control opposing offenses' run games without having to dedicate additional numbers to the box. And, I don't know if we have another guy in our roster right now that can do that the way that Jordan Davis does it. And again, with our concerns secondary, I think his presence there is a key way to alleviate some of those concerns that we have at the cornerback position.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. All right,
2: next up, Brett asks, based on what you've been hearing so far through spring practice, which true freshman are you most excited about this season? And he doesn't give a number, so I'm going to say two or three.
0: Two or three? Two or
2: three. Or okay. just
0: one. Let me give you the, the one I'm most excited about. Okay, yeah, because we're going to talk about a couple of the true freshmen later on this week when we recap this, uh, the first spring scrimmage we get Curtis on here. Uh, I'm going to go – there's two at the top of my head that, I, that I'm that i thinking of. I've got Brock Bowers and Adonai Mitchell, wide receivers, really making some waves. Again, we'll talk more about Mitchell later on in this week. But I'm going to go with Brock Bowers. He's a guy – and maybe I'm going with Brock Bowers because I want to pet myself on the back here a little bit. I told you guys when we were – recapping this 2021 recruiting class that Brock Bowers is right there at the top of my list of in terms of impact potential impact freshman in year one and so far now he's it's spring he still has a long way to go learn the system all those things continue to improve as a blocker but so far what I have heard coming out of fall out of spring camp is that this guy is really impressive obviously in the passing game he's Certainly not there as a blocker, what I'm being told, but he's willing, he's eager, he wants to learn, and he's actually a little further ahead than our coaching staff might have thought he would be coming into spring camp. So, Brock Bowers is the guy that I think is going to be I think he's going to be a playmaker for us this year. Is he going to start right away? Probably not, but I think he's going to play a lot of snaps. I really do. I think when we get in those 12 personnel lists, I think he's going to be on the field more often than not. I really believe, especially as the season wears on, I think you're going to see a lot of Brock Bowers. I think he's going to make some big-time plays for us, just with his, with his athleticism, his ability to go out there and be a matchup problem for opposing defenses. So, yeah, I, I said Brock Bowers before, the, before spring practice started. I'm going to stick with Brock Bowers right now, based off what I'm hearing.
2: All right. The next question comes from Dog 1224 Now, I know you did watch some of the Clemson spring game, right? I
0: watched most of it, yes. All right, Not so all of it, but most of it. He
2: wants to know if you feel better or worse about our chances in week one.
0: Yeah, that's a good this question. Um, I would say that, first off, let's just say it's really hard to make judgments based off of a spring game. I caution people... With any spring game, whether it's our spring game, Clemson's spring game, Florida's spring game, I know it's the only football that we get right now. So it's really hard to not draw these like definitive conclusions. It's very easy to do that because it's all you see right now and we're just so starved for it. But I would just caution everyone out there. And I have to do this myself because I I overreact sometimes to these things. And so over the years, I've I've just tried to be more cautious in in how I consume these spring games because there's just – they're so basic – they're, the schemes are as rudimentary as it gets. A lot of times it you have the ones and twos all mixed up. It, it, it's just really tough to get a true feel for what's going on. A lot of the players aren't, aren't practicing right now. Like half our defense, it seems like, is, is out right now not practicing this spring. So I just want to put that out there. It's really hard to make judgments and draw definitive conclusions from these spring games. But... To answer the question, the answer the question was asked, so I'll try my best to answer here. I would say, if I had to say better or worse, I guess I feel maybe a little bit better after watching that game. I know that DJ Uyunglele is a very talented quarterback. We know that. He's going to be good for them. I have no doubt about that. We saw that last year. But this year... I just don't know if they have the offensive skill standouts around him like they've had around some of their top quarterbacks in the past. I don't know if I see those guys. Joseph Nagata, I think, is a good receiver. I don't know if Joseph Nagata is ready to be like a surefire elite number one receiver. Now, I know that Justin Ross might be coming back from his health issue last year, and, I, and, and we don't know for sure how that's going to work out. I know there's some talk that he's potentially going to be coming back for this season, uh, Frank Ladson wasn't playing in their spring game either, so there's a couple potential weapons they're going to have offensively when week one gets here that we're not out there this spring, but I just don't know if they have those like Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins type players around the Corbett that they've had in the past, there's no Travis Etienne, like right now they are average as grits at running back. Linjay Dixon, like, okay, yeah, serviceable, solid guy, but that is not a game changer. I mean, going from Travis Etienne, the ACC's leading, rush, like, historically speaking, the leading rusher in ACC history, going from him to Linjay Dixon, potentially, that's a pretty steep drop-off. So, I just, I don't know. Right now, I don't know if they have that skill talent that they've leaned on all these years that's made them really good. Uh, The quarterback play is still there. I don't know if it's going to be a Trevor Lawrence level, but I think DJ Uyungle is going to be a good quarterback. He's a very talented guy. I just don't know if the skill town around him is there. And the offensive line is pretty average, too. The offensive line last year was not great for Clemson. We saw that in the playoffs last year. That really came back to hurt them. And they, just, like, they have good players up front, but they have not recruited at an elite level on the offensive front like we have, for instance. So yeah, I mean, again, you can't draw too many conclusions off of one spring game, but just based off what I saw, if I had to say, do I feel better or worse? I feel maybe a little bit better because I just, I didn't see like the overwhelming skill talent that you've seen from them in the past. Again, they have good players. This is Clemson we're talking about. They're not scrubs out there, but I just don't know. Honestly, outside of DJ Uyungle, like right now on that offense, like who truly puts the fear of God in me? Limson's had guys like that in years past. Every year, it seems like they got at least one or two guys that just put the fear of God in you, whether it's T. Higgins, Justin Ross a couple years back, Amari Rodgers. This year, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Nagata, going to be a good player. Ladson, going to be good. Justin Ross isn't a lead receiver if he comes back fully healthy from his health issue, but we don't know that. So right now, based off what I've seen to this point, I still feel pretty good about our chances in week one. We've got a long way to go and a lot to talk about. I mean our entire team could go down with injury based off what we've seen this spring. And then I could completely rethink how I feel about the game. But right now, just based off that one spring game, yeah, I mean, maybe I feel a bit better than maybe I did before watching the spring game. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Before we get out of here, I do just want to put this out there for you guys. We have a huge Georgia tennis weekend coming up this weekend. There's really not much to recap from this past weekend. I know that we've been recapping the tennis weekends the past couple of weeks on this episode, on our Monday Mailbag, but there's not a ton to talk about this week because we just flat out dominated the, the women's team. Got two more shutouts. That's eight shutouts in our first 10 SEC matches. They're just flat out dominant. They actually have fully clinched at least a share of our 11th SEC regular season title, and if we can just win one of our next three matches, which, spoiler alert, is going to happen, we are going to win the SEC outright, the SEC regular season outright, which is a fantastic accomplishment. Now, we have a lot more that we want to accomplish. But still, regardless, that is a fantastic accomplishment for the women's team. And they are closing up the regular season homestand this coming weekend with matches against Alabama on Thursday at 5 and Auburn on Saturday at noon. So if you want to come out and watch the Georgia women's tennis team clinch an outright SEC title, come out this weekend. Support this team I will absolutely say this is the best team on campus this season. I don't think there's much of a doubt in my mind. So you really only got two more chances here in the regular season to come for free. The NCAA tournament will, at least we will host a regional. So you have a chance to come watch matches if the NCAA allows that, but you have to pay to get in for those. So you got two more home matches that you can get in for free. The first 275 people get in. It's first come, first serve. It, I think it'd be really great to have as big of a crowd as we can to send off a couple of incredible seniors on this year's UGA Women's Tennis team. Katarina Yoki, who's the number one player, number one singles player in the country, one of the best doubles players in the country. She's just incredible. She's uh, been lights out basically since day one for us, and she will be having her senior day on Saturday along with Elena Christofi and Marta Gonzalez, who are fifth-year seniors. Those three young ladies have just been fantastic players and fantastic representatives of our university for four or five years now. So if you get a chance on Saturday, I know it's a little early at noon, but come out, support the team, and also support these young ladies who have just been, uh, fantastic dogs. Just talk about damn good dogs. I think that fits all three of those players. They definitely deserve our support. And then on the men's side, we only have one home match this weekend, but it's a big one. Friday at 5 p.m. against number six Texas A&M. Our guys are on a roll right now. We've documented it many times in the show that early in conference play we suffered a couple back injuries to two of our top 4 singles players two of our top 4 doubles players at that at that rate and that really kind of set us back early on but we've fought through that and now we are rolling five straight conference wins and we've got a big one number 6 coming in to Athens Friday night it's going to be a big time environment it always is guys if you've never been to a Georgia tennis match Friday, the men's match Friday at 5 against A&M, that would be a good one to come to because that's it's a big time. It's probably going to be a top 10 matchup. We were number 11 coming into this week. We beat Arkansas 6-1 on the road, so it's a really good chance. We'll be in the top 10. a and almost certainly still be in the top 10, so it could be a top 10 matchup here in Athens that could really improve our seeding in the SEC tournament. So Come out, support the women, support the men. We've got a lot of great tennis going on this weekend here in the Classic City. But alright, guys, that officially does it for stay here on the Glory UJ podcast. Thanks for listening. Curtis and I will be back later on this week to recap week three of Georgia's spring football practice, including our first spring scrimmage that took place on Saturday. So be looking forward to that. But for Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, Go Dogs.